parents, we need to be more involved in the educational process of our children. Welcome to Chalk Talk with your host, Eric Hamilton. The three pillars of Eric's approach to parent engagement are academics, accountability, and advocacy, which empower parents to better support success at the child, school, and system level. And now, here is Eric Hamilton. Hello and welcome to Chalk Talk. My name is Eric Hamilton, and today's show on parent engagement will inspire, educate, and empower parents to be proactive and not reactive. Today's show will demonstrate effective parent engagement by discussing primary grades, grades ranging K through 5, public education. This show will provide parents with an effective guide on building academic skills in two important areas, reading and mathematics. This show will attempt to take on the daunting task of educating primary grade students. Again, welcome to Chalk Talk. For those who are joining us for the first time, I'd like to say thank you for for tuning in and listening. For listeners who have been a part for the first two shows, I say thank you. Welcome back to Chalk Talk. Tonight, I have an outstanding thought leader in this field called parent engagement. We are very fortunate to have a representative from family-friendly schools, Dr. Sample. She will come in at the second part of the show. We are very fortunate to have her because tonight she will have an opportunity to do something that I believe is so critically needed in this dialogue on education. And that is to respond to how do we educate, how do we inspire our parents to become proactive inside of the schools and not reactive. Many of our parents have shown by surveys by various institutions and just through casual conversation that a lot of parents aren't uh, appreciated, aren't driven to the schools by what we would call parent engagement. So tonight we're going to talk to what I would call a leading expert in this particular field. I've also taken a couple of emails from parents who have given me some great feedback about my idea of an academic roadmap. Tonight's show, or this evening's show rather, Academic Roadmap Part 2, The Primary Years. I want to let all my listeners know that starting on next week, you will be or you should be able to find all of the information as I talk about them, as I make various suggestions. You will have a chance to go onto my website, and that is schoolwise.com schoolwise.com you will have an opportunity to go on to that website and you will see a section where I am accumulating all of the information all of the specific information because parents are are asking questions about I heard the show but I would like to know more specifically about what's going on in the schools I would like to know how can I facilitate a better engagement So we want to talk about that. The next thing that I'd like to address for my new listeners, this 
show has been specifically designed by an educator who feels that in order to truly bring change to public schools, parents have to be a part of this equation. My first show, I talked about parent engagement. I attempted to define it as we've looked at currently. I've attempted to redefine it as to what and advocate how we should actually get parents involved, how we can actually motivate them to do what the data suggests that parents are needed. My second show, I came up with this idea called an academic roadmap, and I've had a lot of feedback from people suggesting, what is an academic roadmap? Previous show, we talked about the necessity of an academic roadmap. That is, how do you as a parent, how are you going to navigate for a total of 13 years in this country? How do you navigate the many changing issues that are going on from Common Core to appropriate homework to the middle school years to our emerging years in technology? How are you going to how are you going to acknowledge those things? How are you going to address them? Parents are overwhelmed. As a classroom teacher, I really enjoyed the dialogue with parents because I had a chance to learn how they perceive schools. The previous show, we presented data to suggest that parents feel disconnected. And this is where this show will attempt to address those issues. Those issues are simply how do we get parents involved? This particular show will address on the elementary school level. So if you have friends or family members who are half students, children who are in primary grades, that's K through five, this is the show that you should tune in and listen to. If you don't have the ability to listen to it now, then you have the ability by the Internet to archive this show, go back and take a listen. And when you have those those listening opportunities, feel free to send me an email at schoolwise at yahoo.com. I would love to be able to take your comments. If you have the ability to call into the show, would absolutely love to hear your perspective on much of the content that we've talked about. Tonight's show, or this evening's shows rather, will give you the ability to truly, truly ask a leading expert as to what are some appropriate things that should happen inside of the classroom. Before we go to our first break and I have a chance to talk to our guests, I would like to acknowledge this wonderful thing that we have in this country called democracy. We've had a, an election where two candidates attempted to pursue becoming uh, the highest office in the land, and that's the president of the United States. The election is over. Uh, if you've noticed through the particular year, uh, particular times that I've talked on this show, I haven't addressed the political side, but I do want to address this particular issue. Now that the election is over, now that the two candidates have had a chance to, to make their case, now that the nation has actually chosen an elected official, now the chance is back for parents. What do we do with education now? What's the mission? Now that the media is not on the race, what are we going to do about public education? How will we motivate people to get involved? My solution to this particular daunting task is to have engaging conversations around 
education. This is my passion. I believe that through dialogue, much as we see in the classroom, with constructive dialogue, this dialogue will truly help parents who have the ability to go out, make a difference inside of the classroom. I leave you with this thought. Change is actually occurring inside of the classroom. Our future leaders, our future president, our future vice president are currently in a classroom somewhere in this country. Change will happen inside of the classroom. And I do agree with our former Secretary of State, Condoleezza Rice, when she says that public education is a national issue, a national security issue that needs to be brought front and center. So with that, I'd like to take my first break. When we come back, we will have a chance to talk to our guests. Please stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you are having difficulty balancing everything in your life, be sure to tune in to Change is Personal with Kim Fuller. Each week, we'll help you do your own self-assessment to handling relationships, family, life challenges, health, and personal goals. Kim and her guests share from experiences and offer advice and resources to keep your life on track. Change is Personal with Kim Fuller can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and start having a fuller life. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton. We want to hear from you during today's show by phone or by email. Please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to schoolwise at yahoo.com. That's S-C-H-O-O-L-W-H-Y-S at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Hello and welcome back to Shock Talk. I'm your host, Eric Hamilton, and on this show, we talk about what every parent needs to know about schools. The topic for today's show 
what is your academic roadmap for success K through 12? This particular show, we are focusing specifically on K through 5. We're talking about the primary grade school years. And before I introduce my guests, I will say that the primary grade school years are critical, critical. And this show is going to address it. Uh, Dr. Joni Samples, let me read you about her, and, and you all are going to be very impressed. Dr. Samples is a currently the chief academic officer for family-friendly schools, as well as an author of six books on parents-slash-school connections. She is internationally known speaker on family engagement. Her workshops and coaching make a significant difference for schools and families. The Parent Playbook, Parent Playbook series provides parents with fun, easy activities to help learning at home. Teachers like the book because of the activities that are matched to national common core standards. Dr. Samples is familiar with the curriculum because she is a career educator. She has done just about everything in education. She served as a teacher's aide, regular education, special education, teacher, administrator, and finally a superintendent of schools. She holds an ED in curriculum and instruction, a master's degree in in curriculum instruction, as well as a bachelor's degree of science. She has four wonderful children, five grandchildren. She heads family, friends, schools. Welcome to the show. It's nice to be here. Let me start off by first thanking you for participating on this show. I know that the parents are going to truly uh, be educated in terms of how they take your material. Please tell us, how did you get started? What's your motivating factor? You've had a traditionally a base career, and you've decided to do more. Tell us about your career. Well, we can give you the whole history. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bore you with all of that. But okay. I was one of those people that at seven years old knew that what they wanted to do. I, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. It runs okay. in my, I, I laughingly say I have chalk dust in my veins because <laughs> my mother was a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher. It goes way back. But I, I got into it and you've described a little of it. I started as a teacher's aide and then just worked my way up. Uh, and I loved every stage of it. My last, gig, if you want to put it that way. I was a county superintendent of schools in California for, um, I, the county superintendent is a little different than a school district. So I had 11 school districts within my county and I didn't run their programs. They ran their programs. I ran a variety of programs and then worked with the school districts to provide the services that were needed. And it, when I decided to retire, uh, technically retire, I laugh and say it was about 20 minutes that I retired, but I looked at what I wanted to do and what had made, for me, the most impact and the most change, and I could have done curriculum instruction because my background was in that, I could have done special ed, I could have gone in a variety of areas, but what I had seen was when we engaged the families in their child's education, that's when we made the biggest impact, and to me, that was the most important thing I could be doing. And I had been doing some work. I'd been writing some articles for a number of years about that. I'd written a book already about that topic. Uh, and I thought I would do that sort of thing on my own until I ran into people from family-friendly schools. And they were doing similar work. And we combined our efforts, and now I do family-friendly schools. So 
I, I get an opportunity to talk all over the country about family engagement and how it works. I even have had the opportunity to go to Australia, and the end of this month, I'm actually going to the Republic of Georgia. Wow. They want They want to do family engagement in their schools in a former Russian country, and they've asked for someone to come over and help them set up policies. So I get this opportunity, and to me, every time I do it, every time I work with a school district or a school or a parent or a teacher that's willing to do this, I see change. I see change. And that, to me, is what it's about. I, I completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. Wow, that's 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 a story that you don't hear often in the field of education. You you yeah. hear a lot of people are simply going with the status quo, but you've decided to do more. Every chance I get, and to me, <laughs> it makes it makes an impact. It I, mm-hmm. I watch lights come on. I watch a parent go, "I can do this." I watch a teacher go, "Oh." A parent can help me do what I do. And for me, that's huge. That's that's absolutely huge. And then when I know that that parent and that teacher working together will impact that child on that child's future, that's that's perfect. That's, that's what it's about. Yeah, okay. that's what it's okay. about. Tell, tell us about, you have the, the, uh, the, the ability to create some very interesting, I call them very innovative things. As a classroom teacher, you've, had the opportunity to work in a variety of different ways. Tonight's focus is specifically on K through five. Right. Before I get to your parent playbook, give me your thoughts about what's going on at the elementary school level. Tell us what parents should know about what's going on at what I would call, and you and I would agree, the most critical phase in education at this point is the foundation. Tell us, tell us what, what you see out there. Well, absolutely, it is the most critical stages. Uh, I taught third grade, and so I recognized third grade is, and you've mentioned it on your show several times, third and fourth grade are the, the real pivotal grades for schooling. You have to have a strong foundation in that K-1-2 area in reading and math, especially in reading. Then by the time they hit third and fourth grade, they're really beginning to learn the more difficult stuff. They begin to take on social studies and and science, the content areas. They need to be able to do the work at that particular level. What I saw after I left the third grade classroom, and I taught that for several years, I went into special ed. And teaching special ed, usually what I saw were children, especially boys, being referred at third and fourth grade level because they couldn't read. So for me, the academics are important, but it's also the empowerment of, of the kids being able to do it on their own, that they pick it up, they love it. It's not a scary thing. It is something that they enjoy. So what I, what I often tell school folks and parents is the parents are the biggest models. They model what goes on in a child's mind. If, if a if a parent reads at home, then the child's going to read. If a parent does activities that are around school and are supportive of school, then the child's going to be supportive of school and excited about it. If it's not comfortable or it's it's awkward or reading isn't a thing that happens, then a child feels less comfortable. So parents can make it 
so much, they don't have to be expert readers. They just, in fact, I have a son-in-law that is dyslexic. And, and his stories change every night. But we have, they have a three-and-a-half-year-old. She gets read to every day. And his stories may change because he may not be able to read the words. But she will recognize how important it is to read because Daddy reads to her and Mommy reads to her. Those are big modeling kinds of things that parents can do. And I really, really encourage that all the way through the grades, but especially in these early grades. Okay. As an educator, we clearly see the impact on reading and why it's so important. And what I've tried to do on this show is to talk about how important it is to get parents to understand some of the jargon that educators use are quite confusing about reading on grade level, at what level. Talk about your impact specifically on our male population as they mature, as the reading level begins to decline. Talk about, as that classroom teacher, what happens when those students are put in situations where then they're asked specifically by educators to read out loud. Talk, talk about that. It's, it's very hard for a, a child that doesn't feel fluent in their reading to be able to read aloud. If a child gets stuck on a word and, and can't sound it out because they don't understand phonics or they don't, they can't look at the word and recognize it. Mm-hmm. Some children will, will learn through sight recognition and they get it. It's real quick. Others need clues like phonics to be able to go through each, each of the sounds and sound it at. Oh, cat. Got it. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it's a practice. And the more they practice, the more fluent they get. If they don't get an opportunity to practice, both at school and at home, then they may come to school feeling uncomfortable about what it is that they're trying to do. Boys often, girls often get it because they're, they're more likely to sit still and be able to do those kinds of things. Boys are active. We know boys are active. And they'd be, rather be out running around and, and throwing things and playing and having a good time. And sometimes it's hard for them to come sit and do these kinds of skills. If we can balance both the outdoor activities as well as that indoor activity of sitting with a book, and again, having mom or dad read to you becomes a pleasure. I remember reading to my kids when, even when they were in high school because they liked to, they liked to hear stories because we've done it forever. So you take that practice on and you keep doing it. They hear the words, they see them, they hear mom and dad read, they know that they're reading at school, they become more fluent and more capable. Boys can get it just as well as girls, but it needs to be practiced. It needs to just be something that you do as part of your as your evening routine or your morning routine. We did things in the morning and the evenings and the weekends and all sorts of stuff. And, and all my kids are readers. Mm. Okay. After hearing this information, and again, our conversations have centered around, and I've stressed it about reading and why it's so fundamental and why it's imperative. It, it's not an option. It's not something yep. that parents can get around to. It's got to be something that's modeled, as you said, effectively mm-hmm. every day. Talk about so – take the the teacher hat off and put on the principal hat now. Uh-huh. Uh, think, think back on – Many of the discipline referrals that you received, say, from children that particularly males, 
that were removed from the classroom because of disruptive behavior and, and talk to parents about how that plays out. <clears throat> Let me give you a story. <clears throat> it's okay. one of my favorites. I was actually not the principal at the time. I was, I was the assistant principal, and I was also the special ed person at the school. And I had a referral, and I had Darren. And Darren was this wonderful kid that was brilliant, a truly a brilliant child. I remember sitting with him, and I had him in special ed, so I had him in second and third and fourth grades, those grades that you're talking about that are really tough. He came to me because he wasn't reading. I remember having a conversation with Darren about the difference between nuclear fission and nuclear fusion. Mm. Now, this was when he was in fourth grade. And I, I laughingly said to him, Darren, if you ever learn how to read, you're going to be dangerous. And he looked <laughs> at me, and he said, yeah, I know. And the interesting thing is, is the year before, when he was in third grade, I remember his third grade classroom teacher calling me one day and through gritted teeth saying, come get this child. And I didn't even have to ask her who it was because I knew he was doing something. He was doing something in the classroom to disrupt or he wasn't on target. And sure enough, when I got down there, he was in the center room flying paper airplanes out from underneath the door. And so I walked in and I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm flying paper airplanes out from underneath the door. It was driving the teacher crazy. And I'm sure he drove his mother crazy occasionally. But this kid was so bright and he was so capable. And yet he wasn't reading. And part of it was he hadn't had that, that practice at home. He hadn't had that practice at school where it connected yet. And oftentimes our boys are a little bit slower to, to catch on, but the more you practice, the more they get it. Mm-hmm. If we have time for one more story, my well, son was we, like that. Okay. And I know we're going to have to take can, a break, so you tell me yeah, when. We, yeah, we have to take a break. We have to take a break. And that's a good, good place to for us to take our next break. When we come back, we'll talk about more issues that are going on with education. We'll take our break. Thank you. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. It's time to take an amazing journey, a journey to gold. Join your host, CJ, every week as she introduces you to amazing people who are following their dreams and changing their lives with a new attitude. Hear from the stars who are stepping outside the box. Be sure to listen for the Dream Quest Challenge with Josie Pasentino, where you'll vote on the music of independent artists. Find out how you can be a part of this life-changing experience. Maybe we'll be talking to you on a future show. Journey to Gold is heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. 
Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton. We want to hear from you during today's show by phone or by email. Please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to schoolwise at yahoo.com. That's S-C-H-O-O-L-W-H-Y-S at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Hello and welcome back to Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Eric Hamilton. On this show, we talk about what every parent needs to know about schools. The topic for today's show, what is your roadmap for academic success, K through 12? We're talking about the primary grades, K through 5. We have our guests from family-friendly schools, Dr. Joni Samples. She's talking about elementary schools, talking about various issues, and we were getting to talk about behavior, particularly with males. Before we we jump back into that conversation, I would like for you to tell us about the parent playbook, because the parent playbook I find completely fascinating. I find it to be engaging. I find it to be relevant, particularly as a teacher. Teachers, as you know, are given various types of materials to, to use and implement, and I find that your parent playbook is very, very engaging to parents. Talk about the the creation for that one and, and how is it being used and who's using it? Well, if the creation really started, as you mentioned earlier, I have four children. So mm-hmm. as I watched, and, and of course I'm a working parent, so I'm trying to do as much as I can with my kids at home while I'm working 50, 60 hours a week, which was really kind of exciting. And <laughs> I have twin boys and two girls. So I have just about every mix of any kind of activity that you could want. And I wanted my children to do well in school, and yet I didn't want to just do homework-type activities. I wanted to do more than that. So... Uh, at, when I was elected county superintendent, my husband said to me at the time, why don't you do something that will keep you engaged in this and keep your name out there? Because this was an elected position I was in. And I said, well, I don't want to do the stuff that most educators, a lot of educators do is just talk about curriculum. I said, I'd like to talk about what kids do. So I started writing articles every week in our local newspapers, a couple, three of them actually. And... Later, my editor said, I thought you had enough uh, enough material for about six weeks, and actually I wrote for 10 years. 
And that was the impetus for the parent playbooks. I wrote an article every week and talked about activities that I did at home with the kids. And, you know, we'd go for a walk and we'd do a science walk or we'd make muffins and do, they'd measure the muffins. Or I'd triple the, the batch of cookies so that we'd have to triple the recipe and triple all of the halves and, and quarter cups and all of that sort of stuff. Or I'd have them read me a recipe or all of that sort of kind of thing. And I realized that it was really beneficial, and people were coming to me and saying, well, gee, that was a great idea that you had last week. I sure wish I had done that with my kids, or I'm sending it off to my daughter or whatever. So eventually, it led to the series of books called The Parent Playbooks. And what I did with them was to take those activities and a whole bunch of others that I gathered from all over and said, okay, if I was going to do this for parents, how would I want, it, want to do it, and how would I make it match with schools? And I broke it into the categories of K2, 3, 5, and 6, 8. And then I also broke it into the categories of what's tested, the English language arts, math, science, and social studies. Those are what are tested in, in our school testing levels anymore. And I took activities that were just fun and easy and you could do at home and didn't have a whole lot of stuff that you needed. Maybe you needed like I said, maybe you were out in the garage and you were counting nuts and bolts and screws and that sort of stuff. So there was an activity about that, which, by the way, is a kindergarten activity and is pre-algebra. Dads get really excited about that because Absolutely. we're doing algebra in kindergarten. But then I matched them to the standards that were being taught at school. So in the books, what you'll see is an activity that the parents can do that are real simple, almost looks like a recipe. And moms will recognize it because it looks like a recipe. And then you do the activity, it's fun, and down underneath it says, and this activity, when you do it, is matched to the K standard for reading, da-da-da-da-da-da, or the math standard second grade, whatever that might happen to be. And, you know, it's working. It's working. I have schools that purchase them for their parents. I have schools that purchase them so that they can use them, that we have a we work with them to use them in their newsletters. We have parents that purchase them, and that's really the focus, is to get them into the hands of parents, to say these are activities that you can do, they're easy, and if you do these things at home, then a child can come back to school the next day going, I know how to do this. It feels good. I'm, I get it. And the parent feels good because they're spending some time, quality time with their child and not just saying, go do your homework. It's Absolutely. something that you can do. Yeah, it's fun. It's just fun. So that's it, it how they fun. were born, and that's what it, we do. It, it is fun. It is fun. And I can, t- I can tell you also, being a classroom teacher, that part of the challenge that I've noticed with a lot of students, many students, you can teach them, you can prepare them for standardized tests, students can study, get prepared, go to the test date, and suddenly, because of the font, the print, students mm-hmm. are intimidated. They say, hey, wait, that's not how we saw it. That's how. That's not how it's set up. I knew the material, but just something just didn't connect with me. I see it time and time and time again with students that are, are very smart, very gifted, but for some reason they have a difficult time bridging the gap. I had a chance to review the the parent playbook and I can I can clearly see a connection between what's going on in the classroom 
versus what's going on at home, and I mm-hmm. highly recommend them. How do you feel about the parent playbook fitting into a model, a theory as to parents being engaged to have this academic roadmap, meaning navigating these three different phases? Talk, talk to us about that. Well, we want to make it easy. It's, you know, for many parents, it's very, it's intimidating sometimes to walk into a school and as you said earlier, all the jargon comes out. You, you talk about this test result or that piece or an IEP or a, whatever it might happen to be. And, and it, even if we talk about NCLB, you know, parents kind of glaze over and go, I don't know what these people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And, most of the folks that are in the classroom have all these degrees. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it becomes intimidating. Mm-hmm. I've worked with families that are non-English speaking. Many of my Hispanic families are really, really dedicated to, to helping their children. And they may not know how because they don't speak the language. Or any parent that walks in and maybe had a little trouble in school occasionally or didn't do well in a particular class might not feel good about it. So what the parents' playbooks try to do is give you an easy inroad into doing something that you do normally. There are activities when you're doing the laundry. There are activities when you are, as I said, making things in the kitchen. There are activities when you're going to the grocery store. There are activities when you're ordering pizza on on the phone. So there are all kinds of activities that are being done in a normal day's routine. So it doesn't mean that you add three or four hours a day to go in and do these kinds of things. It's what you're doing now. It's mm-hmm. just changing a parent's thinking to finding this as a learning activity for a child mm-hmm. so that when you go do the laundry, they're yes. counting the coins that go <laughs> in the machine, and then you're adding up the, the coins that are in the machine to see how much math is, it, it, how much money is there, and that's a math activity, and it's a match to a core standard. We don't have to talk about the core standards and, and how they match. The parent just gets to do the activity. The teachers mm-hmm. are excited that they match. The mm-hmm. teachers may be the ones saying, would you do this particular activity two or three times because it matches to what I'm teaching in the classroom. That's where that match comes in. So we try and, to make it easy. Make it easy for everybody. And And that's the beauty of this show. This show has the ability to connect someone like yourself, someone like myself, to come together to actually come up with some solutions. You and I have both spoke, uh, talked with parents throughout our careers, and many of them, they will give you that glazed-over look to say, well, what am I supposed to do with this? How, yeah. how am I supposed to address this issue? Uh, when we come back from our next break, I will have you have a chance to talk about uh, specifically the book and, and where parents who are interested in, in getting these books because I, I really believe that they can make a difference. They can make a difference in boosting self-esteem. I think self-esteem, particularly with these Common Core standards. Now, at some point, I want to talk about Common Core standards. It's the latest buzz. It's the latest cure-all. <laughs> but there are some issues. Yep. Talk uh, br- uh, briefly about your perspective, briefly, because we only have about a couple of uh, minutes. And then I want to leave you with my question. What's your opinion about the Common Core standards, and what should parents know about them? Common Core standards, every state has to have a set of standards by which to teach. And when I first wrote the books, there were 50 different sets of standards. 
I was delighted to see Common Core come in because that means a child that goes from California to New York will have the same learning experiences or the same activities going on, maybe different curriculum, maybe different textbooks, but they'll be learning the same things in third grade in California as they are in New York or in Louisiana or in Montana. That's a big help. That's a big help. That also means that the parent doesn't have to go, oh my gosh, are they going to learn something different and will they be behind or will they be ahead? This allows them to be on the same vein in in almost all the states. Now, not all of them have adopted, but I think all but five have. So most of the states are using the same standards of learning at each grade level. So that may give you a little bit of an idea. Get the parents involved so they know what's going on. Okay. Okay. Let me leave you with this question. I made a commitment to a parent to make sure that we address this. We have a parent that sent me an email talking about an issue that they're dealing with. I'll let you think about this over the break. But I find it fascinating because the parent sent an email. Parent is confused. School has indicated to the parent children are allowed to use the restroom only two times a day. They are allowed to to use the restroom and they're not allowed to drink water freely. And as a result of that, the kids are having some health issues. Kids are dehydrated. Some kids are not focusing in the classroom. And it's really becoming a problem. As a high school teacher, I was absolutely amazed by this because high school culture is a lot differently than obviously elementary school. When we come back from our break, I'd like for you to talk to us about is, is this something that parents can address? How would you advocate for parents to address this issue? Because as we know, kids don't always fit into a particular box. So I'd like for you to think about that. We come back from our break. We will address this issue. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. We let so many outside factors mold and shape our lives. Technology, instant delivery. We live in an on-demand world. What's happened to the compassion, the kindness, a better pace? Listen to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. We'll bring that kindness and compassion back to our world. Our guests come from around the world and we'll discuss what's being done and what we can do to bring our lives back to order. Might Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. 
Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to Chalk Talk with Eric Hamilton. We want to hear from you during today's show by phone or by email. Please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to schoolwise at yahoo.com. That's S-C-H-O-O-L-W-H-Y-S at yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Hello and welcome back to Chalk Talk. I'm your host, Eric Hamilton. On this show, we talk about what every parent needs to know about schools. The topic for, for our current show, we're addressing the primary grade school years. We have our guest, Dr. Samples from Family Friendly Schools. A parent has uh, requested a, an answer about how to address this issue that I find amazing that parents are being told to tell their kids that they're limited to how many bathroom breaks they have. They're limited to, to the amount of water that they consume. Again, as a high school teacher, this seems completely foreign. This is why we have experts. Now, what's your, what's your solution or what's the issue here that, that perhaps we may not be getting? Well, I can tell you that when I do presentations for groups and that sort of thing, I, I do two things. I do, one, I talk statistics and, and that sort of thing for all my left brain people that are in the audience, all of those that, that need the specifics of why something works or doesn't work. And I'll, I, I, so I, I do that. When I talk to, I, what I also do is I tell stories for my right brain folks so that there's a, a connection between why we do things the way we do. In this particular case, I'm not going to give you statistics. I want to give you a story because it, it sort of happened to me. When I was a kid, I, when I went to school, um, I, had very, I lived in Arizona. I, was, I grew up in Phoenix, and I had very, very dry skin. And I was miserable. I, I, the rule was you had to wear dresses. And that was the rule of the school. Every little girl had to wear a dress, and boys could wear pants and, and girls wore dresses. Well, I was so miserable with my dry skin that I could hardly go to school. I hurt so badly. And my mother went to the principal and said, could she please wear pants? So she had to write a note, and she had to do a variety of things, but they used compassion and good sense, and and took one look at me and said, poor child, yes, let her wear pants. So I was the only little girl in school that wore pants. Mm. But I did. I, I, You know, that's what I did. I think what I would say to you, say to mom, is this: the school needs to use a little bit of compassion 
and good sense with their children. It's a little hard for, for youngsters, especially kindergartners and first graders, to, to restrict themselves. I've had children wet their pants in school. And, and it's very embarrassing, and it's very difficult for them to, do, to deal with that. Let's use some good sense and compassion here and allow children to go to the restroom when they need to. Now, some children we know will use that to get out of class. I understand that. And that's what they're trying to guard against. But on the other hand, you have children with issues, health issues, dehydration issues, all kinds of things. And you really have to, to use some compassion here. And again, good sense. That needs to prevail. <laughs> that might help. <laughs> I would go talk to the principal and see if there was something that I could... If I was the parent, I would be talking to the principal and say, is there something we can do here because my child needs this? I wouldn't necessarily speak for all children, but I would talk for my child. My child okay. needs this. Okay. I think that's a very practical approach. When I heard that, I thought about, it. was that an issue that you deal locally at the school? And, and, you, and you use the... The, the human factor, and you use the word compassion, which I think is the appropriate word. If that particular level is not resolved, is that something that you would advocate to go to a school board meeting, or is that something that you would then go back and gather parents? Because, again, the purpose of what we're talking about is how do you get parents engaged? And if it's happening to that one child, it's probably happening to another child. What, what's your thoughts on that? Normally what I do is, is I encourage people to go to the lowest level to get it resolved as possible. If it's mm-hmm. the principal that we start with, great. Talk to the principal first. If you need mm-hmm. to talk to the, the next, the director, because they're not being listened to, go to the director. Go to the superintendent. If you need mm-hmm. to talk to school board members, then take it to the school board. There are avenues to get this redressed. You could get mm-hmm. the point across. At the, and if you can get it up across at the lowest level, great. If there are a number of parents that have been agitated by this, you won't have to find them. They will find each other. Usually yes. what happens is that parents begin to, they talk across the back fence. That's how I, when I arrived in my area, that's how I learned about the teachers before they knew who I was. They would tell me who, what was going on and who the best teachers were. And, and, it, and it, that's how it works. So they will know each other. And if, if they're in a large enough group, then again, you go to the principal first. See if you can get it resolved there. If you can get it resolved there, great. If you can't, then you do take it to the next level and the next level. There will be people that will be compassionate and listen. And, and for me, that's one of the most important things I did as a superintendent is I listened. I listened to people. I listened to what their needs were. I listened to what their concerns were and then tried to solve the problems. Sometimes I was listening to teachers, sometimes I was listening to parents, oftentimes I was listening to both at the same time, and we were trying to resolve whatever the issue was. This one would be one of those where you'd say, can we listen to everybody and then let's figure out the best. What's the problem, first of all? Are kids cutting class? What's the problem? Is there another way to address this rather than to put health issues at risk? Very good. Very good. Thank you. I hope that that successfully addresses that particular topic because it was a new topic for me. Mm-hmm. I want to close with a, with an idea that I was reading about and I was, was thinking about of, of, of all the theories that I've heard about the use of self-esteem. I recently read a, an article that talked about 
particularly at this grade, at this grade level, self-esteem is so critical. Self-identity uh-huh. is so important. I read an article that talked about one of the things that parents should do is before they go or, or parents or guardian, because keep in mind, we have a lot of families that have different relationships now. But yep. whoever is in charge of, of putting that child to bed, waking that child up, getting them prepared, the last five minutes just before that child goes to sleep, parents should remind them of something positive that they've done. They give them that, that, that self-esteem and they can go to sleep on that self-esteem. And then when they wake up, they wake up with something very powerful. Do you believe that self-esteem, particularly praise by parents, can have a lasting effect and we only have about three minutes to go? The answer is absolutely yes, unequivocally yes. It's, it's the area that I, I touch on more than anything else subtly. I love to talk about academics, but mm-hmm. the parents are the key responsible person for self-esteem and self-efficacy. A child goes to school, if they've had a bad morning, they can, it can last all day long and on into the next week and month. Just a few words from a parent can turn that around because those children listen to parents more than anyone else. They can hear their teacher, but boy, when they hear something from their mom or their dad or whoever the guardian is about what a wonderful person they are, how smart they are, how capable they are, how lovable they are, that brings a light to a child. That's the kind of thing that they need to hear from a parent. If, if they're yelled at because they haven't eaten their breakfast, they're late, they're getting in their room. That's what they remember. Mm-hmm. A good word is, is, is counteracts all of that. And they'll yes. live up to it. You give them that, that level to live up to, and they will live up to it. So, yes, absolutely. And before bed and before they walk out that door in the morning, those are key times to just tell them something genuine, not mm-hmm. something fake, something really genuine. I love you. You're fabulous. You're a wonderful child. You're so smart. Gee, how great you are. Those kinds of things are just, that's what sets a day for a child. And those are the types of things that I think are very important that don't require a, a financial investment. They don't require a, a degree. They all nope. require is compassion. And, they, and parents have the ability to give that element that a teacher can't give. They have that ability to inspire that child. Hugs really do go a long way. <laughs> they oh, really, yes. really do. Oh, yes. <laughs> Uh, briefly, briefly, and we only have two minutes. First of all, I want to thank you for being a part of the show. If you could briefly tell us uh, where parents can go to learn more about the Parent Playbook. Uh, sign on to www.familyfriendlyschools.com. It'll give you a lot of information about who we are and what we do, and our there's a, there's a connection for our store. It talks about the Parent Playbooks and what's in there. And give you just a little bit of a description of what's going on. You've heard about more of it tonight, but it's www.familyfriendlyschools.com. Or if they want to email me, they can email me at drjohnny, D-R-J-O-N-I, at edsuccess.com, E-D-S-U-C-C-E-S-S.com. That's drjohnny at edsuccess.com. Thank you. I really appreciate your words of wisdom this evening. We appreciate and thank you and hope to have you back on the show. 
Absolutely. would love to know about your travels overseas. And again, for parents, my final thoughts for this evening's show is that you have the ability to make a difference, to impact a child. You have the ability to truly, truly motivate and inspire. Please do not allow the school system to define your role. You go out and you define your role as best you can. And in always, parents, go out and be empowered. Thank you for listening. Thank you again for joining us for Chalk Talk. Please join Eric Hamilton again next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for more of everything that parents should know about school.